this is Rachel Bolin from Skid Row, and you're listening to Cobras and Fire. Remember, rock is not dead. Listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network, featuring special guests from Skid Row, Rachel Bowen. I'd like to welcome to the program uh, Rachel Bolin, of course, of Skid Row. Rachel, what are you up to tonight? Hey, man, just uh, hanging out in uh, my studio, doing a little bit of writing, and uh, you know, keeping the cobwebs off. Right <laughs> on. Enjoying the horrible weather. Oh, what's it? Uh, are you in Nashville right now? Where? I'm, I guess I'm not sure where you're out of. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right outside of Nashville. Okay. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's looking bleak right now. Oh. Is yeah. it uh, like rainy or cold or what do you got going on? It, it's it's just miserable. It's like just raining and it's uh, but at least it's not humid. <laughs> it yeah, was so fair enough. This summer it was brutal, man. Yeah. Um, uh, does that mean we're going to be hearing new music from Skid Row soon? I know there's been talk of uh, basically the last installment of uh, the the Revolution series, right? Oh yeah, we uh, we've been working on that. This is, is I'm just writing just to write, but uh, okay. we've been working on that. We're actually going back in the studio on Monday to work on some more lead vocals and backup vocals and stuff like that. How close are you to wrapping it up? If you don't mind me asking, um, that's the question we're all asking ourselves. You know, it's uh, we're still we're getting to the point where we're choosing. You know, what songs are staying mm-hmm. and what songs are going, and a couple rewrites here and there. So, I mean, it's not going to happen this year. But uh, definitely in 2020, hopefully okay. before the summer, maybe springtime. But uh, every time I say that, it seems like <laughs> it's even longer. So um, you want to get it right. That's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, a full length record this time, so we want to uh, we want to make sure it's powerful. Uh, well, I'm guessing I'm not uh, tipping you off to anything uh, that you don't already know. But it's of course the 30th anniversary of the debut album this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Pretty crazy, huh? Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was definitely in your target audience when that that album record dropped. Uh, I would have been 17 years old, living in a fucking farm town, you know. And uh, it uh, that album really resonated with the, the teenage me. Um, if I recall, that thing, I mean, that thing took off really quick. It it, it seemed like it once it started going. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. Uh, you're we're here for you, man. Uh, but. Uh, well, was there like a like a, a day and night kind of effect when for you like before like this is what my life was like before the record and then after or was there a little bit of space there before you really got into high gear? It, it definitely. I mean, 
it's funny your story uh, about uh, ZP has the same exact story because he's ten <laughs> years younger than us, so that would have made him like fifteen when the album came out. And, okay. Or maybe even younger, and he has the same story. He's like, man, I listened to this in South Africa, and it just, you know, it did something to him, and it's pretty cool that now he's a singer for the band. But um, yeah, when we, I mean, we wrote and wrote for, you know, Snake and I just every night, every single night, and even at work, because we worked in the same place for a while, we, we'd write and write and write and write any chance we got. So, you know, it seemed like a really long process, but then you know, the record came out, the, you know, we were playing a club, we were playing in Stone Pony, and then the next week we were out with Bon Jovi playing Reunion Arena, or like a couple weeks, and the album came out the night that we played. And, you know, a little, a few people heard it, and then within that week, when MTV was just slamming the Youth Gone, Gone Wild video, I'm like, wow. Wow. You know, you walk out and you go outside to have a cigarette or whatever. And it's just things were different, man. <laughs> and <laughs> getting more and more different. And uh, the, the biggest one for me was I was Christmas shopping in my hometown of Tom's River. And I was at the Ocean County Mall and had to be escorted out by police. Um, and that, then I got I was just sitting in my car and I was like, do I like this? <laughs> I <can't. laughs> I stopped in a shoe store to see my friend's dad and talk to him because I hadn't talked to him in a, a few months because we were on the road. And his store got filled up with a whole bunch of metalheads, and they had to take me out through the back. It was just really weird, wow. man. I, whenever I hear myself telling the story, it, it makes it's even weirder. <laughs> uh, I listened to it uh, last night kind of in preparation for this, and it – yeah, it really you know music has that that ability to bring you back you know but photographs in time man yeah um more than anything but it it still sounds amazing like it doesn't have um that dated kind of production it it, it really just delivers some of the lyrics probably don't resonate like they did when I was seventeen but uh, for the most part I mean, it's 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 just such a solid record man thank you thank you very much uh, it's something I'll always be very proud of. Um, were you guys involved in the remaster at all? I, I haven't checked that out. Um, no, actually, uh, we weren't. And it, but you know, it was cool that they did it. Uh, the only thing I was bummed about is it's only digital, and right, we'd really like it to come back out on vinyl and all the mediums, man. All the, I mean, there's even people are even uh, buying cassettes again, which is pretty wild. <laughs> so you know, it, it's. Yeah, it would be really cool to to hold it. Sure. You know, yeah. One eighty gram in my hand of it. You know, it'd be cool. Oh yeah, I would I would get that for sure, man. Uh, well, what's the holdup? I don't know. I don't know. It was kind of out of our hands. Oh, and, gotcha. Uh, you know, and they put the the um, the marquee show on there, which was it's cool in a way. You know, it wasn't probably wasn't one of our greatest shows, but it was definitely. Definitely a um, a cool show. Right on. Um, you know, I, I've I've heard conflicting stories about you guys having to buy the name from Gary Gary Moore. I I have you online. Is that true or not? It's just one of those myths. No, no, not true at all. We um we and this is no disrespect to Gary Moore sure. or Brush or, or anyone, but we didn't know. We ne- we had no idea there was another Skid Row until the album came out. We there were was like, oh, no God. internet. I'd never heard of the band until probably the mid-90s. Exactly. I mean, you know, and then uh, some of the guys became Thin Lizzy. And just to be honest, I, I'm a huge Thin Lizzy fan. Mm-hmm. But if you took me and about 
20 of my friends from high school, it was probably two of us even knew who Thin Lizzy was. So, I, they, you know, I, how was I supposed to know the precursor to Thin Lizzy? And, <laughs> and Snake, the same thing. It's just like it, it was impossible. There was no Internet. They were never mentioned in magazines. And it, it was just the way it was. But, yeah, the, we we have the name trademarked. And, you know, there was a couple other skid rows, too, but we just we used the name longer. You know, there was mm-hmm. some guy there was one guy who was he was a lounge act. And I forget he was from the Midwest, maybe by you somewhere. And, <laughs> and he uh, his name was his first name was Skid and his last name was Roe. That's what he went oh. by. Kind of like a one man band type of thing, you know, and uh he had it first. You, you say that, and I'm imagining like that that person with the the big drum on their gut, and they got all these other instruments as they move their body. <laughs> the symbols between their knees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I know. Skid so he, uh, he had it first, and we did. Uh, he was like, "Man, I'm getting ready to retire." That's this is what was told us. He's like, "I'm getting ready to retire. Just cut me a check for a little bit of cash," and oh. we did. And he was cool about it, and but that was the only person that got paid on that name. Uh, thanks for clearing that up. Uh, you touched on uh, Bon Jovi a little bit uh, uh, when we were getting started here. There's been a lot made of the involvement of John and Richie as far as your band at the beginning. D- does that get sickening? Is too much made of that, or is that all like kind of a all all accurate? I guess. How, how would you portray that? Well, yeah. I mean, the deal that was made. It was, you know, and not smart on our part, but publishing for a little while. And there, that was always the gray areas, like how long well, will he take our publishing? Anyway, that aside, John and Richie were a huge help in, in um, just, you know, be careful of this, do this, try this, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and we listened to him because we respected them and still do. And... We, you know, as far as writing songs, you know, John would be like, man, just bring it to me, you know, bounce it off me. And he'd be like, you know what? You should strengthen this part of this song. You should probably cut down some of the lyrics in this part. And it was a huge help, you know, because we were kids, man. We were kids. And, and it was it was really good to rely on someone that was having so that had such huge success and that had experienced it all for us and we trusted him you know we trusted mm-hmm. both those guys and it was a, a big help i mean if it weren't for richie sambor we probably wouldn't have released 18 in life as the second single really yeah he was the one he said man that's he goes this is your song do that it's not really a ballad but it kind of is and that seemed to be the pattern of how, how everyone was doing things and it it just resonated with definitely lots of people lots of people Still does actually. It uh, that that yeah, message man. is is a lot. It, it's easy for people to relate to it. Almost any any I don't know background. You know, yeah, everybody knows a guy like Ricky. Can't get out of his own damn way. You know, no doubt. Um, well, I assume Doc McGee came in through the Bon Jovi connection. Yes, he came in, and um, once we uh, had songs in place and everything, he said, "Okay, we're going to start shopping this." And we uh, we were a pen stroke away from signing with Geffen and Atlanta came back in the 11th hour and uh and we went with them thank god <laughs> oh really uh you did yeah. you, you like them uh, over uh, Geffen 
Well, man, Dorothy and Jason were courting us for so long, and they understood the band better than anyone. And Geffen kind of came in waving big bucks around, okay. and, but didn't get at the music whatsoever. Like they, they, the A and R guy brought a producer and to a showcase in New York, and we. It was just for them. It was at uh, on a soundstage. It was just for them, and they scrapped all but two of our songs, and we had 30 of them. The only ones they wanted that they said were any good were 18 in Life and um, Making a Mess. <laughs> they and, and the producer suggested playing Making a Mess halftime through the whole thing. <laughs> no, what, Did he hear Youth Gone Wild? Or? Heard them all, man. Oh, he heard the- <laughs> He heard the whole first album plus about 15 more songs. Oh, wow. Well, you know, you can't get them all right. Uh. Yeah. Snake <laughs> and I left that that uh, showcase like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, that song, I mean, the first time, almost everybody I know that, that heard that, it, it didn't take, it wasn't a grower, you know what I mean? It was like instant. Yep, yep. All right, well. Well, I wonder what that. Do you know what that guy is doing nowadays? Uh, I know what one of them's doing. I don't know what the other one is. Okay. Well, uh, just let's move ahead a little bit here. You definitely knocked it out of the park with the second record. I, I to me, "Slave to the Grind" is almost a. Per- I don't even know. It's basically a perfect album. Uh- heavier was that like by design or just kind of a natural next step it it was definitely a natural progression man it it i think it came out heavier because the way we approached it because when we were writing the songs we didn't hear it being heavier than the first record it's just times kind of shifted the 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 snare drum with you know a nine second you know decay on a, a, a verb you know that was gone that those days were kind of over and we kind of i think we kind of spearheaded like a lot of bands like us just toughening up a little bit and and um it was it was nothing where, like we sat down and and said okay we're gonna do it this way it's just when we got to re recording we were experienced you know we've seen we'd seen the world a couple times and and when we wrote we just wrote uh, from a more experienced standpoint, you know, and and um, when we got to the studio, we had new amps instead of our piece of shit amps that we had our whole lives. And, you know, we were able to buy new gear and get in there and spend some time. And, and um, you know, that's just 
how it kind of rolled out. And um, it was a lot drier effects-wise than the first record. And, and it just uh, – we, we stumbled onto something cool. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's another one of those things where it's like, wow, man. You know, and the, we were lucky enough to debut at number one, the first metal band – hard rock band to, to do so and that's something that you can you know it, only one person could be number one at something and mm-hmm. we that. so that, that's kind of cool to take to the grave and that, that was right after sound scan came out and that kind of yeah, I, I, I was you know i'm a music nerd followed all tons of bands you know basically all growing up and i was i mean i can't believe some of these artists like after they were established didn't ever debut at number one and you hear all these kind of shady stories now about how that that stuff was counted before sound scan. So I think you guys kind of delivered on that promise that yeah, people are buying this shit. Yeah, it it, it was cool, you know. Um, yeah, when when I heard about sound scan, I was like kind of nervous, but I'm like, well, you know, I saw I saw, and we both did. We we saw the buzz that was going on, and we saw the momentum. We knew the momentum that we had, and we were like, you know. It's it's possible we debut at number one. It is definitely definitely possible. It, this may happen. And then uh, Snake, we were waiting for uh, our bus was parked in New Jersey at a central location. We we're all getting dropped off, and I was in the back lounge reading the newspaper. And Snake came in. He goes, "Hey, congratulations!" Because I didn't want to know anything until I didn't want to know numbers. Yeah. I just wanted to when it happened, it happened. And if we came in number one. We came in number one. If we didn't, more power to whoever did, you know. So Snake came in. He goes, congratulations. I go, am I pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, uh, yeah. he, he goes, we got a number one record. I was like, awesome. And then just the the uh, the other side of me, I said to him, who's uh, releasing next week? He goes, Van Halen. And I go, well, it was great while it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but it was cool, man. It, it was really cool that that happened. And, um, it, you know, it was cool that SoundScan happened when it did. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, if we came out a week later or two weeks later in between other big releases, would it have happened? Who knows? Probably because of the momentum that we had. But you never know. And you just got to take it in the wind column, man. It's 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 a pretty cool thing. Absolutely. And uh, I, I remember I, when I heard you guys were going to have Pantera as the opening act. I was, I, my initial reaction was like, that's, that's a fucking horrible idea. Uh, <laughs> I went to the show. I was wrong. It worked. It was something, man. I'll tell you what, the demographic switched drastically <laughs> when they opened up for us. It lot, was like a l- lot more room in the ladies' room between shows. Oh, <laughs> the, the men's room had the long lines. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, man, bringing those guys and just seeing what they did was the best thing we could have done for ourselves because I don't want to say we were jaded, but we were going in that direction, you know, mm. because you have all that experience. The first tour lasted the better part of two years, you know, and, and so – it's just one of those things. And then you see these guys come out with the fire in them, man. And they are just laying it down every single night. And you're like, oh, okay, we got to be better than that. Or at least as good as it. And just and just the friends that we made, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. out of those guys and their crew. And it was just it was just incredible, man. And let me say this. Dimebag was one of the most creative people I have ever met 
in my damn life. That guy was always either writing songs, making videos, just doing everything that was on a creative level, and it just blew me away. It blew me away. It wore me out sometimes because I was like, <laughs> I, I, how do I keep up with this guy? You know what I mean? And, and uh, yeah, we 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 lost a lot yeah. when we lost time for sure. One of a kind. Yeah, man. Um, why such a long gap between that record and Subhuman Race? It's, I mean, especially for that time, like it was almost four years. Yeah, after after Slave was done, that like things were so bad internally, mm. like really bad. Um, just didn't get along. Uh, there were there were a few of us that didn't get along from day one, but kept putting it aside, and then. Ah, well, we'll do it for this much money, and we'll do it for this much money. And it just got, you know, it, it was putting Band-Aid over Band-Aid over Band-Aid over Band-Aid until you couldn't see the infection anymore, And mm. but it was there. And then after that, we just, uh, we needed a breather, you know what I mean? And by the end of the, slave, the, the, the whole cycle of Slave to the Grind, grunge kind of started peeking its head out, and... I'll never forget when we were over in Europe and we had L.A. Guns on tour with us. Um, Tracy's a, a fan of punk rock, as I am. And we had our cassettes and was like, hey, man, let's get together, get some beers. And after the show, we'll go listen to some punk rock. So we're up in my room and we're listening to stuff. He goes, hey, I want to play this for you. He goes, they're kind of punk rock. Let me know what you think. And he pops it. He goes, it's an advance I got. And he pops the tape in. I'm like... It's, it's, it's raw. I don't think it's punk. What's their name? He goes, Nirvana. Hmm. And I go, oh. I go, what label are they on? He goes, Geffen. I go, <laughs> yeah, I go. you realize we're fucked, right? <laughs> it was just like, this shit was so catchy. You couldn't deny it, like him or hate him. It was just yeah. so damn catchy. And he's like, why? And I go, man. <laughs> I said, why is a major label signing something like this? That's so raw and so absolutely at the other end of the spectrum than our genre, unless it's a changing of the guard. And so we both kind of scratched our head and then threw in some dead Kennedys, and that that, <laughs> that was fine. And then yeah, it kind of it happened, but it it has to happen, man. It has to happen, and things have to change or they get stale. And but we're, we're lucky enough; we're one of the bands that you know ha had enough success and that we have songs that that have meant a lot to people that they want to continue hearing and and you know as long as people want to keep listening we're going to keep playing them yeah for sure um going back to the punk rock thing i know you're a big ramones guy just from i don't know t-shirts and interviews over the year plus he recorded that the one song but but uh, I assume your your punk influence has come from that kind of the first wave of punk from the mid seventies forward there. Oh yeah, like Dead Kennedy, Sex Pistols, Ramones, uh, Dead Boys. Okay, you, you know all that kind JFA? of JFA. Uh, I heard of them. I, okay, you know may have heard them, but were they from that era? Yeah, they definitely were. Because uh, but they, they were kind of like in that scene with Black Flag. Okay, and See, early that's, suicidal. That's, I guess that's a little later, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's that's eighties. Yeah, that's 80s. I mean, I got into I, I liked Suicidal a lot. I, I definitely like some Black Flag. But yeah, you know, now that you mention it, I remember seeing their name a lot um, alongside of bands of that ilk. 
I, yeah, I, 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 like I think my timing was a little off. Now I'm thinking about it. It was like you know, where it was skateboarding kind of boomed in in Midwest yeah. there, the early '80s there. So yeah, yeah. Well, well, you're a Jersey guy. What about the Misfits? You know what? I uh, it was so close that I guess I just kind of didn't pay attention. <laughs> I mean, I like I like some of the Misfits stuff, um, but yeah, I was still, you know that that they they creeped in right in uh, kind of in the center. Of, of the Ramones and yeah. all that stuff. Ramones were definitely 70s, or, you know. Well, some people are Ramones guys and some are, are Misfits people. I mean, I think they're both great bands, but. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Ramones uh, are probably my favorite band. It's funny, I was watching, I don't know if you ever saw it, but the Punk Rock movie. Have you seen that? I don't think so. It's called the Punk Rock movie? The Punk Rock movie, I yeah. I definitely and have not known. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the name of it. There's two There's two or three. I've been watching so many punk documentaries. I maybe <laughs> Anyway, they have uh, all like old footage from Ramones, and all the bands were talking about Sex Pistols and Clash and and the Slits and, and all these mm. bands. And, and um, I, I the movie was done, and my friend, I told my friend about it, and he's like, well, how was it? I go, I go it was really, really good. Like, it was a great documentary because it was – there was no narration or anything, and but I go. You realize why the Clash, Ramones, and Sex Pistols are the big three out of the whole punk rock scene from back in the day because you you just watch them and you listen to them and it's like they they were so good. Like what they did for their genre was like mm-hmm. you know like what Kiss and the New York Dolls and Alice Cooper did for the whole glam thing. You know what I mean? Sure. And they were, they were just so good and they, they gelled so well, like for players that weren't the best players in the world by any means, but they just gelled so well together. And what they made was so monumental and so important. And, and, you know, and it, this film makes you realize that you're just like, wow. Okay. I get it. Cause a lot of times people will call their band punk rock ju- as an excuse because they suck. Yeah. <laughs> Punk rock, you know, and I'm like, nah, that's not really punk rock. Yeah, so, mm. um, but yeah, yeah, that movie's really good. You should check it out. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I just loved. I mean, like I said, it was hard, you know, especially living in a small town to get your hands on too much punk rock. But I, I, I latched onto it pretty quickly, and it was, it was weird because I was also just a huge fan of things like Motley Crue and, and Warrant, and, and I didn't really fit in a spot for people with both those things. So I had to have almost two groups of friends. But right, right. Um, but no, I, I, that that stuff is. I, I assume you, you're not a huge fan of like the pop punk of, of like the '90s into the, you know, I don't know, like the Blinks, the Arena 182s, Fall Out Boy, that kind of stuff. You know what? It, it, it's cool. Um, I, as far as like Green Day, Green Day is real punk to me. Like okay. they could, they could have been in the seventies, man. Like they're the real deal. Um, yeah, a lot of the other ones, I, I, the whole thing with pop and punk, when you say them together, it's just, it, it, you know, it's like jumbo shrimp. What the hell does that mean? You know, <laughs> <laughs> oxymoron. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get back to your band. I promise you, I only have one question about Sebastian Bach, and I don't think I've heard other people ask it because uh, it, it's it, and it's more of a question based on an observation. So, I'm really okay. just taking advantage that I have someone that was there to see if I'm if I'm on point or not. Hopefully, uh, I don't piss you off. <laughs> All right. uh, look, there's no shortage of bands that have pre pretended to make nice in an effort to reunite and for the fans or for the money or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that there's this much time has passed 
and it's never happened. It's never really even seemed like it was ever close, at least at least from the outside. And this is all from just my personal perspective. I'm not touching on any inside information. It feels like from where I'm at that there is something between him and the band or someone in the band that is like a line that you just don't come back from. Like it's it's like it's it's not just like he was an an asshole and hard to deal with. There's something more there. Am I on base or am I just totally off? Uh, you're off base. I mean, it's just there's nothing. There was no one event. Okay. You know, because uh, people were like, "Why do you hold a grudge?" And I'm like, eh. "I'm not holding a grudge." You know what I mean? It's like I was telling you before. There was members of the band that just didn't get along from day one and we toughed it out we had success awesome but yeah it just there's just a few of us there were like you know we're having fun man Mm -hmm. scotty snake and i are having a blast we're doing tons of shows and you know uh, another misconception is people think that we're all broke it's like (laughs) it's (laughs) You, you don't sell, you know, uh, 20 million records worldwide and, and not unless you blew it all. But it's just like I have a conception that we're broke and that we should get to d- together and do one show. And it's like, OK, where would you like that show? Would you like it in your backyard and make it easy for you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, people just say stuff. They don't know the, right. the, the ins and outs of everything. And it's just, you know what? We're having a blast. We are absolutely having a blast. We got two guys in the band that that we couldn't get along with better. We're, you know, uh, three of us are in our 50s. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is, man. But, yeah, there was no one event. It was okay. just, you know, some people get along, some people don't get along. Um you know, it, it was so. a, it was just speculation on my part. Uh, I definitely am not trying to convince you to change whatever you want to do. I don't really, uh, as a fan, as someone who looks at bands, as someone who's been in a band, I realize most of these things aren't as exciting as far as what separates people. It's it's the same shit that separates friends who get in an argument or something. It's it's really just typically not that interesting. But almost everybody that's been in your position with your level of success, there's been at least some dalliance. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. one-off show at least. But uh, you guys have stayed, stayed pretty true to it. So, uh, you know, whatever. Keep doing what you want to do. It's your life, man. Yeah, uh, you, you, that, that, that's our plan. We got we got the records still. If we want to go back and be nostalgic, it's there with a so. But uh, I but I've seen you a bunch of times uh, since Sebastian's been out of the band. Uh, I've never been disappointed. Awesome. Have you seen us with ZP? I have twice. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, he's he's the man. Jesus, he the first gig he played with us. Scotty leans over to me while we're playing. And he goes, this is the best singer we've ever had. <laughs> just plain and simple Scotty, man. It just mm. not saying Scotty's simple, but he says stuff plain and simple, right to the point. This is the best singer we ever had. And I'm yeah. like, you? <laughs> so it's all uh, good. He sounds, he sounds killer. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to hearing him on record. Uh, and let's get to that. You, you guys are currently in the studio. Well, it mm-hmm. sounds like it's kind of a, you guys work on it when you have time. I mean, you are busy yeah. playing live quite a bit. It's making me insane. Insane, by the way, because we play so much. We we went, we got all the rhythm tracks done. Some of the back, we're just doing it piecework. You know what I mean? So, um, it, it's making me insane yeah. <laughs> because I like getting stuff done from beginning to end and just taking the time off. But 
You know, it's not like it used to be where sure. we tour and get on a bus and tour the world for a year and a half and then go in and do a record. Now it's the, the, the landscape is so drastically changed. So that's the way we're doing it. And uh, yeah. And you're working with Michael Wagner again. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. What, what do you Is there. Um, what's it like working with him? I've met him. He's a very nice gentleman. Um, but uh, is, is there something that he brings as a producer that you really like to or is it just kind of a, a chemistry thing? Yeah, well, both. He, uh, we got a great chemistry because we're we're, de- we're all dear friends, and um, you know, he uh, his his thing is let the band be the band, and that's what um, that's why we chose him in the first place. He said that when we met with him the first time we mm. met with him, that and his track record, obviously. But he said that Snake and I looked at each other right away. After I mean, we met probably with about six other producers, five or six other producers, big names, and. We just never really got a vibe. And when Michael said that, we're like, all right, because we're very territorial, man. We're very, very territorial. We're just like Jersey boys. Yeah, man, through and through. And it's just like, all right, these are our songs. This is our band. This is how we want to play it and this and that. And he said, I want the band to be the band. He goes, but at least hear my ideas. And Mm. you know what? Every band that I've produced since, I've instilled the same, uh, like, the same um, thought process. I, I just like, okay, at least listen to my ideas. You could tell me they suck, but at least mm-hmm. listen and try them. And try them a couple times. If you hate them, then we don't do them. So that, that's how Michael approached us. And, you know, we, we've him and I have been very close since the record and uh, have always stayed in touch no matter where we lived. And, uh, you know, a few marriages later, a couple other, <laughs> a couple other states. We both end up in Tennessee, living a half an hour from each other. Yeah, right on. Um, uh, you mentioned that you met with a few other producers for the first record. Uh, any any chance you can name some of them, or I'm just curious. Um, yeah, we we met with uh, Rick Browdy. Uh, let's see, who he else? did the Poison record, right? He did Poison and mm. Faster Pussycat, I believe. Uh, met with Mick. Jones from Farner. No, um, we met with uh, who else did we meet with? Oh my god, I can't believe I, I forget his name. He produced Ozzy. Oh, uh, uh, Max uh, Norman. Max Norman. We met with Max and met with Mike Rose, and you know, it's just all super talented guys. It just what we t- talked about with each other. It, it just it didn't sit, you know. And uh, they went on to more success, and we went on to our success. Sure. Um, and again, uh, uh, this is the uh, the completion of the trilogy that you were working on, right? The uh, no, I'm now I'm blanking it. The revolution thing. Oh, rebellion. Yeah. Okay. Re- rebellion. Yeah. Sorry, Re- yeah. I said revolution. Sorry. Rebellion, chapter three. Yep. And it's going to be a full length instead of an EP. And uh, we're pretty damn excited about it, man. You're going to have Johnny go back, or Johnny? You're going to have ZP go back and redo Johnny's vocals on the first two. Um, we may pick songs yeah. off of it and, and do it or just do okay. some live. We, we do uh, We Are the Damned Live, and it just it, Z is, has made it his own and changed little things here and there that really make it stand out. And uh, so we may go back. Uh, I don't know if we'll cut it in the studio or just cut it live or something, and, you know, nice. we'll figure that out. But, uh, yeah, we're psyched. Awesome. Uh, so I'm, I'm, we'll look forward to that in 2020, maybe, is what I'm hearing. 
Well, it'll, it'll be 2020 for sure. Okay. Uh, one thing we should mention is that you're about to be inducted into the Rock Gods Hall of Fame. Uh, that's uh, kind of how the, you, you, you came under my radar with this whole thing. Um, what can you tell me about your uh, your induction coming up? Wow. Uh, it's. I wish I could be there. We're, we're in the studio. I believe it's this Sunday. Um, uh, it was total surprise to me. Absolutely 100% of a surprise. And I, I'm thoroughly honored about it. It... it uh, it's pretty cool when you're this far into your career and you're you're thought of enough to you know get stuff like this, be inducted into stuff like this. And I just uh, yeah, I, I, I was kind of speechless when I was told. I was like, really? And I thought about, it, I was like, really? <laughs> so it's cool, man. I'm in really good company, and and it's uh, you know, it, it's the the more I think about it, the the cooler it gets. The uh, well, you, you can't make the ceremony. Would you like to give your acceptance speech right now? Uh, I actually videotaped one. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very, yeah, very excited. About but yeah, that's a Sunday at uh, Canyon Club in uh, Agora Hills, California, is what I got in front of me. But uh, are any other members of the band inducted? Yeah. Uh, not that I'm aware. No, you're the first. All right, you, you will see. You had the number one first number one record after SoundScan. Now you're also the first member of Skid Row to be inducted into the Rock Gods Hall of Fame. Are you going to uh, lobby for the other members to get in at some point? Yeah, absolutely. Even Sebastian. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, Rachel! I really appreciate your time. You were a good sport with me, um, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, maybe uh, we should have you back on when the record comes out. Absolutely, man! I'd love to do it. Thank you, Rachel. And if I didn't say so, it was an honor to talk to you tonight. I've uh, oh, been a big fan. Your music did mean a lot to me at a time in my life when it uh, when it really helped out a lot. You know what I mean? Just being a teenager and dealing with shit. I never forget that kind of stuff with the, the artists that I leaned on. So I I love these stores. They never get old, dude. I swear to God, they never get old. Hey, best of luck with everything. You're going off to Europe next, right? For Actually, you just came back and you're going out again? Yeah, we're going for the fourth time this year. Europe has kind of become a commute. Nice. Want to listen? We'll keep playing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, good luck with all that. Have a good. The holidays are coming up, so happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, and uh, all the best, man. You, you as well, dude. I'll see you soon. Wow! 
I'm talking about would have been the year Tony was still in the band. Um, uh, anyway, I was waiting to speak with Jack at the. There's like a little room underneath the stage where like kind of a, uh, a dressing room, I suppose. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you guys all came in, and I just while I was waiting, I just said hello. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, my my brain was always somewhere else when he was in the band. <laughs> oh boy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 